So I remember that in the last episode, I said there was something I wanted to say for the cold open for this episode, and I don't remember what it was. No! (laughs) So um, I'm going to have to do an original cold open now, and then when I go back and listen to episode four, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, and then that'll be the cold open for episode six. Um, Okay, you're going to keep people wanting more. That is going to be the secret to our success, hopefully. It, it's it's a Arabian Nights thing. It's like, oh, were you just sticking around for the Deadpool episode? Oh, well, you got to wait around for, for episode five. Oh, you got to wait around for episode six. When are we going to hear that hilarious cold open? <laughs> it's like Arabian Nights because we have a thousand and one stories about Spider-Man. That's true. Yeah. Arabian Nights, but it's Deadpool telling Spider-Man a thousand and one stories so he will go to sleep. <laughs> you know, we have this running joke about uh, how Spider-Man needs to go to bed. You well, you played the PS4 game and we played it. And just because of the way that game is put together, there's no downtime. So, you know, you're running to this crime scene. And then when you finish that crime scene, oh, then you get a call about a plot point. You have to go take care of that plot point. And oh, that's happening. And then the game is pushing you along further and further. And we're like, you need to go to bed, Spider-Man. Yes. Need, this has been a long night and you don't need to take down any more thugs that are at a car crash or whatever. Like, you just go to bed. There's, just go to bed. There's definitely that like old internet humor thing. I say old internet humor, not super old, but like from the 2000s where people would say like, like, oh, let, let this character have a nap. Yes. But like, I don't think that any character has ever been more deserving of a nap than Spider-Man. Oh man. Yeah. And he knows it too there's definitely at least one comic where he's he's gone like two or three days without going home and having a proper sleep and he's like oh finally it's time to go home and go to bed and then like one of the worst villains he's ever faced ever shows up out for his blood Ah. and he's gotta fight him on an empty tank and all across town and it's life or death and there's a point where he falls through the ceiling of a mattress store and crash lands on a mattress and he's just lying there and he's like this isn't fair and like has to get up and go fight again <laughs> and uh that's why spider-man is the most relatable hero in the marvel universe yeah that's yeah. uh that's entirely true so i know that we wanted the osborns to be the team this week and i was talking to someone and i was like yeah for my spider-man podcast i have to write a, a pitch about you know like the osborns so like peter parker's like some of his oldest like enemies and stuff and i just think they're really cool characters and so like i'm really excited to do this episode and the person i was talking to was like the Osborns, and I was like, yeah, 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 you know, like Carrie and Norman Osborn, they're like Green Goblins, and the person I was talking to was like, oh, I thought you met Ozzy and Sharon. <laughs> With, um, that would be that musician crossover episode. That yeah, that's happened. what. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, man, damn, where, where was the inspiration then? The genius jumped out, and you don't even know. But I'm excited to talk about the Osborns, so let's go ahead and get into it. Play that intro music. What's up, Spider Pals? My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we are here to ask the timeless question, was Spider-Man there? I feel like I always talk about what this podcast is about. So, Kat, do you want to tell them what it's about? Maybe they're tired of hearing me talk. (laughs) Sure. So what this podcast is about is Zeke knows quote-unquote nothing, or I would say the average amount about Spider-Man. And I know more than that (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit just a little bit or at least i know where to look for answers and zeke is going to come to me with some ideas so we can find out in the history of comics and media where spider-man has been what encounters he's had and what events he's lived through we have the show in two segments uh the first part we call elevator pitch uh wherein Kat gives me a theme or an assignment for the week, and then I have to come up with a plot, hopefully an original plot, that's in line with this theme. Now, uh, I come back to Kat, and then Kat has ample time, I promise, to do some research and find out if Spider-Man was there. And then to exact her vengeance, Kat has a second half of the show. You want to tell them what that's about? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay. Um, Now, I do want to say that this episode, I have been very excited for because Kat will not tell me anything 
about what she has researched except boy have I consumed some media which is <laughs> which has made me so excited to get here now I do try to normally have the plots for my elevator pitch be wacky and uh, funny and out there but our theme this week is one that I've really been looking forward to and one that we mentioned in the intro we're going to touch on Spider-Man's classic nemesis. Nemesis? Nemesis? The Osbournes. Not Ozzy and Sharon. Uh, Harry and Norman. Infamous father-son. I would, I don't know, duo doesn't seem right because that makes it sound like they work together. And to my knowledge, they kind of just work at opposite times. Um, More or less. Yeah, they just cover each other's Green Goblin ships. I did a little bit of looking into these characters, um, not too much because I didn't want to like unearth any plots or anything, but I have had a huge crush on James Franco since I was 12, and uh, seeing him in Spider-Man was arguably formative media for me. <laughs> a revelation. Yeah, literally, like I saw James Franco as Harry Osborn, and I was like, oh, I love him. And it was... It was kind of one of those things where, like, your first encounter with something is so good that it, like, ruins everything else because Harry Osborn in the comics does not look like James Franco. <laughs> so, like... They was, took a lot of creative liberties with the Osborns in this movie. They sure did. So I have been... I won't say disappointed, because comic artists do a lot of work, but if anybody wants to draw another comic where he looks like James Franco, I, I'll be first and I'll pre-order it. Like I said, I try to make the pitches kind of wacky and funny, but for this one, I wanted to take a little bit more of a serious turn. Not like super doom and gloom, but I I didn't really want to go too humorous with it because I do really enjoy the, the characters. Like I said, I won't get on a second tangent about that. But my pitch for you this week is another interdimensional one. I know that we've talked about that. I, I wouldn't say interdimensional. I'd say alternate universe. So my pitch to you is that Harry Osborn through some means or another, is transported to an alternate universe where he can see what his life would have been like if he had become Spider-Man instead of Peter Parker. Um, so he goes through sort of this day-to-day, and I think that the the unveilings are what would have happened with Peter Parker and Mary Jane. And, you know, I know there's a lot of, like, kind of cumulative fights that go on between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin, and Harry's relationship with his father is already so complicated just from what I know that I think it would be really interesting to see the juxtaposition of Harry becoming Spider-Man and his father not knowing his identity as Spider-Man and trying to take him down and then there being sort of this great showdown between Spider-Man and Green Goblin where Harry finally has to say like I don't want to hurt you I don't want this to happen like but he can't reveal that you know that Norman is his father so I really love uh, the idea of like sort of it playing out like the worst It's a Wonderful Life there ever was. <laughs> or um, the best. Or the best, I guess. Um, I just think it would be really cool because I definitely want the idea to be that it's Harry is outside this. Like he's watching it play out. He's He's experiencing it, but not in the first person. Like he's helpless to this sort of, this drama that's playing out. And I think he... I mean, he does get home and I think it changes his perception of, you know, his relationship with his father and his relationship with Peter and all of this different stuff. My pitch isn't very long this week, but the idea I think is pretty solid and one that I'm very excited about. So I have to ask you, Kat, was Spider-Man there and was he Harry Osborn all along? So this was kind of a fun one to look up because as you described the plot to me or gave me the, the headline... I thought this seemed like a pretty likely candidate for maybe one of the what if comics. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is as I started doing my searches and I typed in what if Harry Osborn, the first like three results that auto auto complete results were like, was bitten by the spider was Spider-Man. So like people are out there asking this question. Like it's something that has occurred to a lot of people because I think you're right that it plays into a lot of potential conflict that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And the idea of kind of a, it's a wonderful life story is something that has played out for Peter, which is something that I, 
just now thought about, so I don't actually have the issues numbers down. But there's definitely a storyline where, like, he sees what the world would have been like without him there, and he has to kind of decide. It's not so clear-cut as It's a Wonderful Life. He really Mm -hmm. has to decide whether or not the world is a better or worse place for him in it and as Spider-Man. But we're talking about Harry this week. So there were two storylines that came up that I think play into this idea a little bit. One of them is from Edge of Spider-Geddon number four. And Spider-Geddon is the follow-up crossover event to Spider-Verse. And just like with Spider-Verse, before the actual event started, they released a handful of single-issue comics that introduce some of the new characters that are going to be showing up. So, mm-hmm. or, or returning characters getting a little bit more screen time. So here's a whole comic and it's all about Spider-Punk and showing what he was doing in his own universe at the time before he got pulled into these events. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Geddon number four was kind of one of those, like, you're not really sure what's happening until you've read the whole issue. And then you kind of have to go back and read it again. Oh, okay. Issues. And what you see on screen is you see Harry Osborn coming to Oscorp and everybody knows who he is, obviously, you know, letting him in the building, using his special key to go up in the elevator to the top floor or whatever. And as he's doing this, you can see little scraps of a letter that's kind of being narrated to him. You can imagine that it's kind of the voiceover to all of this. Okay. That's, that's from Peter. And Peter worked for Oscorp, but he's like, if you're reading this, I'm dead. And ah. Yeah. <laughs> and we both know who did it. I mean, unless I ate a poison hot dog or got hit by a bus. But actually, your dad owns a lot of restaurants and controls the metro transportation. So, hmm. So, and, so it was, you know, who did it regardless. Yeah. So Harry receives this letter. And in addition to that sad message, it is also full of instructions, which he's blatantly ignoring. It's really kind of funny because the letter is like, you're going to have to take down your dad and... You're going to have to sneak into the building. Don't let anybody see you. And then it's like the, sh- the images of Harry just like waltzing into the building and being like, I'm going to the penthouse <laughs> and like security being like, oh, can we take your coat, Mr. Osborne? Yeah. <laughs> He's um, like, what's up, Frank? How the kids? Yeah, exactly. And you see the silhouette of Norman in some of the shots where, like, he's aware that his son is approaching and he's kind of like, oh, I wasn't expecting to see him here so soon. And there's also a little bit of veiled talk about Spider-Man in the city fighting for good, but also, you know, rumors about this goblin. And so it's kind of like, oh, you know, what's happening here? Is Harry Spider-Man or like, what's going on? Because obviously it's not Peter, or if it is, it's not at Peter anymore. And then he gets to the part in Peter's letter where he starts explaining the German myth of kobolds. Okay. And, and he's like, oh, they are German house goblins. And it's actually considered good luck to have them in your house because if you treat them well, they can be very useful or provide good fortune or whatever. And in this scene, Harry is unboxing this goblin suit that Peter has left for him. So he he puts it on, he gets suited up, and then you see Norman, who is clearly the Spider-Man in the story, but he's like a six-armed Spider-Man. What? And, and he's got kind of this like black, like his torso is all black. He's got sort of this deformed head with multiple eyes. Like he's clearly become Spider-Man. Spider and he's obsessed with the idea of expanding his reach to other dimensions and like getting his company to work on technology to branch into other dimensions. And Harry has had this explained to him by Peter, so he's there to stop him. And so then what what ensues is, of course, a fight between Harry, the good Green Goblin, and Norman, the bad Spider-Man, as they're fighting over this, like, dimensional portal or whatever, or the control of it. I love this. So I think this is arguably one of the best stories that you've told me yet. Like... (laughs) I will say the first time I read it, I was a little thrown because it isn't as straightforward as the other or the other three comics in the series. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh, wait, this is a really cool idea. And I think it really does play well to the idea of the conflict between the father and son and Norman being consistently disappointed with Harry as an heir to his empire and wanting someone better than him. And of course, they couldn't waste that Norman. So he does show up a lot in the Spider-Geddon event. So there's more of that. Uh, what that means for the end of this issue, I'll leave to you to read. So that was 
that was one of the issues that kind of resonated with the story that you or the plotline that you gave me. The other one I had to go out a little bit from my usual reading. From my I, usual, my my Spider-Man study where I keep my volumes. <laughs> um, and I had to go look into the Spider-Gwen series. But this was also a tie-in with the Spider-Gwen event. So this was Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, issues one through four, but specifically issue number two, which is an arc where Gwen is working with the other spider people in the events of Spider-Geddon, but then she gets left behind in another dimension and her transporter watch or whatever gets broken. And so she's stranded there. Mm -hmm. And so she's stranded in this other dimension that it's not her own. It's not the one where her friends are fighting. And she's like, well, crap, my friends are dying. They're fighting this fight and I have to get back to them. She's kind of trying to figure out where she is and what the world is and, you know, what's its deal. And she sees signs for like Oscorp all over the place. So she's like, okay, so some things stay the same. But when she goes to the building, it's like this rinky dink building and it's like really run down and she goes to check it out. And this green goblin, who's a lady swoops in and and tries to attack her and, and like yells like trick or trespassing. And she's like, that's a terrible (laughs) catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to put a minute in this. I want to come back to it when you're done. (laughs) And like flies off. And she's like, okay, well, that was weird, but there's a goblin. So that means there's a spider someone out there. And she's in the building. And then she like looks and sees Peter Parker, which is where I sent you that picture that I cropped really short for you of like, look at this wounded Peter art. Yeah. And she's like, oh, if there's a Peter, then there's going to be a Gwen somewhere in this universe. And she's probably dead because that seems to be how this goes in a lot of universes. And so she reveals herself and he kind of freaks out a little bit. But she explains the situation. You know, I'm from another dimension. And he's like, OK, well, I cannot help you because dimensional travel and technology is not my area of expertise. I'm a biology guy, but I do know somebody that can help you, but you have to help me. And she's like, I don't have time for this. And he's like, well, you don't not have time for this. Right. (laughs) And um, he explains that the Gwen Stacy of his universe is the one who's the technological genius. And in his universe, he and Gwen became interns at Oscorp. And they were like, this is our golden ticket. We've got everything figured out from here. And they started working, you know, him in the bio department, her working on technology oriented stuff. And Harry and Gwen were also there in the room. Ah, yes. (laughs) Just like hanging out, you know. Um, In that universe, uh, Zeke and Kat have a podcast called Was Harry Osborne There? And And he he was there uh, this time. (laughs) Yeah, he's literally there's a shot of him like hanging out on the sofa like. Like, Peter and Gwen are, like, doing science and test tubes, and, like, Harry's just, like, chilling on the sofa while MJ brings in a tray of snacks, and I'm like, sure, whatever. Yeah, I always eat while I'm doing chemistry. Yeah. Um, But in their universe, just incidentally, Harry is bitten by the spider that Peter is working on, and it gives him spider powers. It looks like it's all organic like they show him shooting webs and everybody's really surprised so i'm guessing he has organic web shooters like toby mcguire in right. the Raimi movies when they come out of a little tiny hole in his wrist yeah. or something and he approaches that universe's gwen to help him build a suit because harry's a dumbass and <laughs> and so she builds him some like like a souped up suit and some technology but then she's like mm, i can also do this so she builds herself the green goblin costume and a glider and they become superheroes together and they have a pretty successful run of it. Like they become the city's heroes. They fight bad guys, they fight crime, but there's an incident where they're having a fight with Sandman and in the fray, Gwen's dad, George Stacy gets killed by like falling debris or something. And she rushes over to his body and because she stops paying attention to the fight, Harry ends up dying. And then kind of the double whammy of grief sends her spiraling and she goes crazy and sort of I guess what happens is the Gwen Stacy part of her psyche sort of falls apart and she is just the goblin now and she's hell-bent on chaos a little bit okay so the Peter of that universe and the MJ of that universe start working with spider Gwen to try and track her down and bring her back to safety and like help her recover her lost memories and then hopefully that Gwen Stacy can help her figure out a way to travel back to the dimension that she needs to be. And long story short, they manage it. And then Spider-Gwen is like, uh, yeah, so I need a way to get to another dimension. And the Gwen Stacy of that universe is like, oh, hold on. 
let me just here you go here's a little necklace it's keyed to your dna you can go wherever you want it's, what yeah it's it's wizard of oz style just click your heels <laughs> like, oh my god she's like, okay whatever i have a story to get back to you bye <laughs> but yeah so in there is a universe where harry was spider-man they don't go very much into his interactions with norman osborne but i'm sure he was very proud or not maybe <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, oh, man. So, I do want to, okay, the thing that I was going to say when the Green Goblin attacks Spider-Gwen, a real takeaway from my experience with the, with Spider-Man and Green Goblin and all of that is there's a shot in the first Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie mm-hmm. where it's when they're at the... I don't remember what it's for. There's some event and like the mayor's giving a speech oh, yeah, or something. Yeah, it's like the World Cultural Festival. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And um, and <laughs> Spider-Man's like ready to fight and Green Goblin comes up on the glider and Willem Dafoe just goes, Hah! like that's, <laughs> when you said like the bad catchphrase, I was like, oh my God, it's happening again. But outside of that, I do think that is a super cool story. I like Gwen being there. I think that, coming into this and, like, learning, like, talking with you and, like, you know, doing research, like, after we've done episodes and stuff, I feel like Gwen has been a character that has largely been erased from, like, the, like, public version, like, not public versions, but, like, you know, media versions of Spider-Man, like, movies and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. she really didn't get good treatment in the movies, and, like, I mean, you suffer into the Spider-Verse. So it's cool to see that, like, this story about Harry includes Gwen and, like, has her, like, be a key player in this. Yeah, I, I guess she blipped in the Raimi movies for five seconds, and then she was only there to make Mary Jane jealous. And right. then she shows up in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, which, like, I get what they were going for. The, like, it seemed like they were really pressed to make her, like, the coolest girlfriend in the whole world, and she's cool with you being Spider-Man, and it doesn't matter what her dad says, And but, like official was spider-man their opinion those movies are not good (laughs) it's fine if you like them i like a lot of crappy things too personal taste is a whole another matter but those are just not well constructed movies and they are less than the sum of their parts and emma stone is amazing but that's not her best work and i yeah they just that's not it's not gwen stacy at her best absolutely Um, let's have spider-man at his best either we'll we won't go into this too much because I feel like we could do a whole episode just on those, those, yeah, we could do a series on those movies. But I will say that having seen some of those movies, I'll be honest, I couldn't get through a full one. I just don't think it, it's very Spider-Man. Like, I just don't feel like the portrayal in that movie is, sure like, captures the essence of who Spider-Man is. And I think before Spider-Gwen showed up on the scene in comics and in other media, Gwen Stacy was kind of relegated to being that sainted virgin damsel girlfriend that we can't talk bad about and i don't know she wasn't adding anything to the story like her death was obviously a very significant event in shaping Mm -hmm. spider-man as a character but i'm glad we have a version of her that's alive now and doing interesting things for sure for sure so i suppose in summary having heard these two super cool stories i would have to ask in your professional opinion do you feel that spider harry was there I think if we take the average of these two stories, that Spider-Man was there and he was Harry Osborn. Okay. Okay. But there's potential for more. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would love to see more of the Edge of Spider-Geddon universe or the story that really gets into the meat of their interaction. And there are stories like that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another title that I glanced at and I didn't get into a lot. During the Dark Rain event... Mm-hmm. There is a arc where Norman Osborn joins the Avengers and he builds a suit for himself and he also builds a suit for Harry and Harry's super name is like a American son. <gasps> so he's definitely like playing into that like we're the all American family. Look at us, you know, we built our empire and and now we're heroes and working together, dad and the kid and Um, But it's also, like, clearly a very abusive relationship. And once Harry kind of figures out that he's being used and that, you know, his dad just sees this as a means to an end, like, that obviously causes a lot of friction. So there is also that storyline. They're just, I think they're more like Iron Man-type heroes than Spider-Man-type heroes. Now, I do want to say that if Harry's name is American Son, 
That does mean that Norman's superhero name would be American Dad. <laughs> so do it that way you will. But that is unfortunate. Yeah. I also really like the idea of him building like Iron Man type suits. I don't know. I This is not was Tony Stark there because I don't care. Tony Stark. <laughs> but now no one's now everyone's shut off the podcast and I've alienated our listenership. I have a hard time caring a lot of the Avengers. I'm just be honest with you guys. That's fine. And you know what? To be completely honest, before the MCU, Iron Man, the Avengers, Captain America, they were kind of B-listers, like BC-listers. Nobody cared about Iron Man 12 years ago. Because he looked whack. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. Like, we've hired a lot of, or not we personally, but... Marvel you and I. <laughs> yes, but there are billions of dollars. We have hired very charismatic, likable, attractive actors to play these roles. But let me tell you, 15 years ago, like, Iron Man was not a hot property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, well, so if anybody wants to get with me, this is always what I do in Elevator Pitch when we find out that Spider-Man was not there. You guys can get in touch with me, uh, and I will be happy to sell you the concept you know, we'll have my people talk to your people and we'll uh, make Harry Osborn Spider-Man and play around with that. Yeah, it'll be a great Christmas story. Oh, yes, absolutely. Every time a bell rings, a spider gets its wings. (laughs) I I wanted to say something clever, but I couldn't. The the force was not with me on that one. I think we should move into the next segment before I say something else stupid. Sounds good. So Kat was very secretive about this part of the show in the beginning, so now will you tell us what it's about? Yes, of course. This segment is called Two Truths and a Fic. And what I'm going to do is give Zeke two canon pieces of media that have been officially produced that feature Spider-Man and, in this case, the Osbournes in some way, and one fan-created item, usually a fanfic. And Zeke has to figure out which two of these are quote-unquote real stories or real plot lines, and which one of them is has been dreamt up by a creative and talented fan. Now, something that if you're a repeat listener, which, thank you so much, oh my god, we owe you so much, you will know that there are two crucial things here. Number one, I am abysmal at this game. And number two, there's always a super cool sticker on the line. Yep. Do you have a Green Goblin sticker for me I do have a Green Goblin Tsum Tsum sticker just for today. Oh my god, there's so much on the line right now. I want that so bad. (laughs) Okay, you guys pray for me. I mean, this is in the past. Well, you're listening to this in the future, but I don't know. Pray for me anyway. I'll probably need it then too. All right, hit me. All right, here we go. Number one. After realizing his genetically modified spider has given Peter superpowers... And desperate to prove the theories behind his research as viable, Norman mutates himself into the Green Goblin and subsequently creates the Sinister Six. Peter is all but ready to give up his web-slinging heroics, but the goddess Arachne helps him rediscover his purpose. Okay, that one took a turn. A little bit, a little bit. Now, I do want to say that that does feel like it harkens back to Rose Guardian Supaidaman. A little bit, yeah. There's a little bit of that. There's there. a little bit of that magical boy element. Thanks. Big shout out to Arachne. Next next plot, please. Next plot. Peter Parker has become the latest in a long line of Harry's personal assistants at Oscorp. <gasps> it's an ideal position for him, even if it's clear he's basically a glorified babysitter for Harry, who is still at his father's mercy. But the job pays well enough and gives him time to be Spider-Man. Odd, then, that the media... And the Avengers are convinced it's Harry behind the mask. Hmm. Okay. I feel like... Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Get me pictures of Harry Osborn. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like... Is it Dark Knight Rises? Where Batman... Like, Bruce Wayne is trying to throw suspicion off. And so he really cranks up the asshole behavior as Bruce Wayne. And, like, jumps in a fountain at a restaurant and like is just like kicking around and yeah because he's dating a supermodel he goes swimming in the lobster tank yeah basically yeah wow um so that doesn't happen in this story i would be hugely disappointed (laughs) Uh, there's like it isn't me dives into the lobster tank (laughs) grabs a waitress yeah i'm definitely not spider-man would would spider-man swim in a lobster tank (laughs) and everyone will go no spider-man wasn't there (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Plot number three. All right. Here's number three. Peter always thought Gwen's death fell solely on his shoulders, that the Green Goblin targeted her to get to him. But it turns out he had other motivations. Norman and Gwen had a secret affair resulting in her pregnancy. But after the children's birth, she refused to stay with him, planning to raise the child with Peter. Holy hell. That one's really the wildest one, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. So, Goddess Arachne. It's Peter, not Harry. It's definitely me. Look at me. And... <laughs> Sorry, I'm really struggling with this one. Gwen, Gwen Stacy had a baby with Norman? Norman. Not Harry. Not Harry. Okay. And so she faked her death. No, no, no. She died. Oh. But the idea is that Norman wasn't just killing Gwen to get to Spider-Man. He was killing her out of jealousy because she didn't want to be with him anymore. Okay, 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 okay. I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, man. Okay. I can never suss out what the logic is with these. Like, I've tried everything. I've tried going with my gut. I've tried sitting here and trying to get get in the minds of comic writers. I don't even know anymore. But I'm going to go with my gut again, which historically has not gone well for me. But I'm feeling it this time. It's about my favorite Spider-Man character. That's not Venom. I think that the goddess Arachne story and the Norman Gwen baby murder story <laughs> are the two canon ones. And I think uh, hot pencil skirt secretary Peter Parker <laughs> is the fan fiction. I didn't say anything about his fashion choices, but sure. That, well, listen, when you get hired as an assistant for a rich kid who doesn't have to work at all, that's what you wear. Obviously, obviously. Obviously. But those that's my final answer. So it's a one, two, three is canon, fanfic, can, truth, fic, truth. Truth, fic, truth. Final answer. All right, Zeke. Congratulations. You've won yourself a Green Goblin Tsum Tsum sticker. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Woo, doo, 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 doo. Air horn noises. I'm so happy. I'm so proud of myself. And I know, I knew in my heart of hearts that someone was as thirsty as me and would write that fan fiction. As soon as I heard it, I was like, I know it. I know. And then, and then they were co-workers. They were co-workers. That's exactly how I felt about it. But I am so interested in hearing about this Norman Gwen story and also this goddess Arachne story. Tell us, tell us more about those. And then we'll, we'll dive in. Well, tell us about the fic first and then we'll dive into the comics. Yeah, let's talk about the fic first. So this is a story called Off the Record, mm-hmm. and it's by an author called Crooked Swing Set. Thank you so much, Crooked Swing Set. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Now, this is actually a Spidey Pool story. What? But yeah, yeah, sorry. I had to leave that out because I would have made it too obvious. Oh. But, but this is an excellent story. It's from the 2018 uh, Spidey Pool Big Bang, and I came across it because the author also wrote a story for this year's, or the 2019 one, and... It was a sequel, and I was like, whoa, shit, I gotta go read the first one. Can I can I stop you for just a second? Absolutely. I want to bring attention to fan works. Can you tell us what a Big Bang is? Oh, good, yes, of course. Uh, Big Bang is a fan fiction and fan art event that's usually organized either by fandoms or ship pairings, and the idea is that authors will decide what they're going to write a story on. Usually, they'll have, like, a word limit or something, and you know, it has to be X amount of words long. Mm-hmm. And then they'll submit their plots to the people organizing it. So in this case, maybe like the summary that I just read to you. Okay. And then a lot of artists will also sign up to participate. And not knowing who's writing what, they will pick out a plot line that they like and try to get assigned to a story. And then they're put into teams. And then on the posting date, the author will post the story and the artist posts the accompanying illustration, usually together. It may go on for weeks. The last Spidey Pool one went on for like a month. So there was like a new st- illustrated story every day for like a month. And you were just in hog heaven. I was crying and stressed out because I was working with a writing friend and we were turning in 140,000 words. <laughs> so um, Kat's a uh, Spidey Pool novelist. Um, <laughs> you know how there's all those like spinoff like Star Wars books and stuff like that? One day there will be all of those for like Spidey Pool, but it's all going to be Kat. Yeah. Yeah, working on it. We're working on part two right now. Um, <laughs> what? We had more to say. Wow. Um, anyways, let's not talk about that story. Let's talk about this story. For sure. You've sprung, you've you ripped the rug out from under me 
with my hopes and dreams for this being what is, what is is there even a ship name a pairing name for peter and harry perry oh, there's gotta be if you know the the ship name or the pairing name or if you have a suggestion for uh harry osborne peter parker this is a good time to plug our twitter you can tweet us at was spidey there uh on twitter or you can send us an email at was spidey there at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us if you have ideas for future episodes please 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 tell us if you know the ship name for peter and harry osborne because as soon as we stop recording we will forget to look it up <laughs> and you guys will be yelling and this will be published like six weeks from now and we'll be like what are you all talking about <laughs> so tell me how this story has dashed my hopes and dreams uh beautifully absolutely beautifully <laughs> i want to say right now shout out to crooked swing set because I haven't actually finished reading the story, and the reason for that is because it's one of those stories that's so good that I have to, like, put it down, like, put down my cell phone and walk away because I'm so angry at how good the writing is. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, I need to go take a break and do something else for a little while. I gotta walk it off because I'm so impressed. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, that was such a beautiful description of (laughs) web-slinging. Yeah. Um, but this story happens in another another universe. It's a little bit different than the canon 616 universe in that Uncle Ben never died. Okay. And so Peter never had that that kind of revelation moment. No one ever told him that with great power comes great responsibility. Or if, if he did, it was kind of like, yeah, dad, whatever. But also Aunt May got cancer. So at a young teenage age, it wasn't about earning money to buy a car and impress Mary Jane. He was worried about earning money to help pay for her cancer treatments. Mm -hmm. And that idea of getting a job and earning money kind of superseded everything. And it it definitely has made a change in his personality as a character. So this is definitely a more pragmatic, maybe a little bit more cynical Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. And that's how he's ended up working for Oscorp. Because he's like, whatever, job's a job. This pays great. And I can still be Spider-Man. So his identity is super secret to everybody especially the avengers who are definitely trying to figure it out but they get a wrench thrown in the works because they're like okay spider-man's over here and we can identify like his fighting style and about how tall he is and then they're like wait a minute but i saw another spider-man helping an old lady and like whenever they have interactions with spider-man he's like oh are you coming around to the idea of the of the spider army and they're like haha funny but then they're like wait no shit there actually are several spider-men out there like this one's clearly an old dude and this one looks like a youngish girl like what's going on and um it's part of the whole mystery of it and i like that because it makes me think about like the classic spider-man song where like there's one of the choruses or whatever where they're like spider-man's master plan built his own little spider clan and i'm like (laughs) i had no idea what those are lyrics yeah i was like i don't know if that's what this author was referencing but i'm gonna assume that's the case and it's brilliant yeah and deadpool shows up and he's there as like hired muscle for oscorp and harry is actually really interesting in the story because it does follow the usual dynamic of him trying to impress his dad well i wouldn't even say impress he's just trying to like be a good businessman but his dad has clearly got the training wheels on and isn't keen on giving him any real responsibility or freedom so um yeah shout out to crooked swing set for that super good story which i still need to finish (laughs) well by the time the podcast episode is up we'll hold i'll hold cat accountable for finishing it so that when you listen to this crooked swing set you can then tweet us or whatever. I don't know if you know Kat personally, but can reach out to us and say, how did you like the ending? And then we can all talk about it. Yes. Because I'm going to go read it literally as soon as we're done. Good. Recording. Good. Tell me about these comics. Okay. So the Gwen Stacy story is part of a story arc called Sin's Past. And this is Amazing Spider-Man 509 to 514. And this is widely regarded as maybe the worst spider-man storyline ever (laughs) we talked a little bit about how it's like "Mm, there are certain things you don't do to gwen stacy and blatantly saying oh yeah while she was engaged to peter parker she had an affair with norman osborne and she got pregnant with twins and they scurried her off to europe so she could deliver them and then she came back to new york and he killed her and then also the twins have mutated goblin dna so they started growing really fast so even though only like four or five years have passed they're adults and also they're out to kill peter parker what this sounds like stephanie meyer wrote it a little bit it's kind of 
wacky soap opera, but like not in a good way. Okay. And it's one of those things where it's like, technically, this is still canon. This is still a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. But people are sort of like, I guess they're gonna we're gonna wait until uh, people forget about it or. Like, are they even going to bother retconning it or something? Sure. Um, it's one of those things that I think serious comic aficionados are like, what were they thinking? Like, what does this add to the story at all? Like, it doesn't it doesn't bring anything new to the character that doesn't seem contradictory. Like, it just seems contrary for the sake of it. Sure. Now, is this now this is you said this goes over multiple comics? Yeah, uh, like five issues. Okay, but is is this like a um, an insular thing? Like it's only these five issues, or are these five issues part of like a bigger story? Oh no, they're part of Amazing Spider-Man, so they're part oh, of the I main okay, Spider-Man okay. title. Oh my god, what? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's hey. not a what if or something wacky. <gasps> Do better, guys. Anyway, that's a comic. Tell me about the other one. Tell me about the Goddess Arachne. This one sounds cool. Uh, mm. I have bad news for you about that. <laughs> uh oh. Here comes the media that I consumed in that I sat through two plus hours of shaky cam Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, the musical from a couple years ago. What? And not only did I watch the musical, but what I watched was the 2.0 version of the musical, which is after it had gone through significant rewrites. Holy shit. But I did watch a couple of videos Part, one long one about like the history of the musical and like what the fuck went wrong with it mm-hmm. and also some shorter ones that showed some of the visual differences between the versions of the musical mm-hmm. and i will i will say this i am entranced by parts of the visuals mm-hmm. there's some really cool aerial ba- ballet stuff that happens they clearly built these like wild sets there's a part where like you see the inverted top of the Empire State Building and like the Spider-Man actor is like running down it, but he's running up it. And then the whole thing like rotates. So now it's facing upwards. And I'm like really impressed by parts of it, but it is genuinely kind of a mess. And part of that comes into what they put in and what they took out. And the Arachne part of the story was definitely a big problem to start with because In the version that I saw, Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin is the villain through the whole piece. Well, through two thirds of the piece, because Oscorp is not the super mega corporation we know it as in the comics. So like kind of like in the first Sam Raimi movie, when funding starts becoming an issue and like Uncle Sam comes knocking, Norman is like, I'm not sure that I actually want to sell my technology to the military. Norman injects himself with his super serum and then he becomes the Green Goblin. In the original version of the show, he dies at the end of Act 1. Like, a piano falls on him and he dies. And No, but what really happens? No, but that's really what happens. <laughs> he dies like Wile E. Coyote? Yeah, basically. Um, and Arachne has a m- much larger role in the musical because she is actually, like, the main villain of the piece. Basically, like, she's kind of that creepy, like, obsessed stalker. Like, in the very beginning, very opening act, Peter's giving a report on... The, they all had to do Greek god reports, and he's doing a report on Arachne. And I guess Arachne is up in spider heaven. She's like, mm, yeah, mm, let me that high school sophomore action. Um, into that. And then throughout the musical, she's obsessed with him, and there's some real bad musical numbers towards the end. But I guess, like, the second half of the original musical is more about the conflict with her and her trying to shoehorn her way into Peter's life. I I don't know. But that wasn't working out. And apparently the reason for that was that the original director, who also had a hand in writing the script, was really taken with the idea of superheroes as modern mythological figures and gods and goddesses, which like is cool to chat about in a Twitter post or in a podcast or something. But like the very literal display of that in this musical was like "Mm, this isn't hercules like mm." oh my gosh so yeah there was arachne and arachne had all these spider backup dancers and there was also like the a greek chorus except it was the geek chorus which served no function except to slow the story down to a crawl as they explained what just happened when they did rewrites they rewrote the script to feature norman moore and he becomes really the villain through the whole piece. And Arachne really just shows up at the beginning and the end. And it's kind of more of like a dream sequence kind of thing, which is still weird. 
But the costume looks really cool. She like sings these very slow ballads that are very ethereal and dreamlike. So I'm like, all right, sure, I can get into this. But when I found out what her original role was in the musical, I was like, uh, no, this is weird. And it also removes a lot of the agency of the character and a bunch of other narrative issues. But I had been holding my tongue and crossing my legs. And and I will have to show you as soon as we're done recording. But the best part of this whole musical is there's a number where Norman Osborn creates the Sinister Six, which is different than most Spider-Man canon. But in this case, they're all people who used to work for him as Oscorp. He injects other people that work for him, some of whom have had very brief name drops earlier in the act. And there's a musical number where he's introducing all of the other bad guys and they're coming out and they're having their villain song and Carnage is there and Electro is there and... Craven is there and the lizard is there uh but the the art direction for this is definitely like they wanted to play into the bold colors and exaggerated anatomy of comic book characters and a little bit like you know the cosplay trend of where people do makeup or paint on their fabric to make themselves look like the 2d characters like from like telltale games like the sort of comic style yeah 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 yeah, yeah there's a little bit of that in the costume department with the human characters definitely in the villains um when they introduce the lizard you see like this guy and he's clearly wearing like a mask a human mask to kind of exaggerate the size of his head and his features which look very like worried panicked scientists but then one of those inflatable tyrannosaurus rex costumes like bursts out of his chest <gasps> and it's this like giant green dinosaur and it's like blah, 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 like like flopping around it's so funny but that's not even the best part the best part is when the green goblin announces a man made entirely out of mutant bees <laughs> what and this dancer guy comes out in this suit that's like all yellow and black spirals and there's all these like bees wired to the costume that like jingle around when he's <gasps> flipping and stuff it's so funny i had to stop the video just so i could laugh for like a solid minute it was the funniest shit i've ever seen there is literally nothing on earth that could have prepared me for what you just fucking said <laughs> holy shit so it is not a good musical it is also i don't know it sounds great it's it's i will say that it is a so bad it's hilarious musical like i was not bored watching this video for free on the internet even though it wasn't the best quality but it's definitely the kind of thing that like if you got your friends around to do a stream or something like that like you would probably mm -hmm. have a good time but i think if i had paid 70 80 dollars for theater tickets i'd be a little annoyed <laughs> right for sure now i do have to ask do you know if this production is still running like can you still oh, can absolutely you... not okay it okay, was okay. A huge flop that's what um, i thought i like I, I remember hearing that like it was supposed to happen and then like it never really did and i also know that it's a joke in kimmy schmidt yes oh my god yes too many spider-mans and kimmy schmidt is one of my favorite songs and jokes and running gags it's perfect <laughs> the final price tag was something like 70 something million dollars and in the end, it lost over $60 million. Wow. I'm like, for $70 million, you could have made a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> God damn. My, now my secret, my pipe dream hope, my pipe hope, is that this does become a movie and that B-Guy is in it. Oh, man. That's all I want is to see this, is to see Swarm on the big screen. Wow, I have learned a lot, and I've never been more baffled with the <laughs> Spider-Man universe than I have been today. Would you like to be slightly more baffled? Because I've got a good piece of trivia for today. Boy, I was just about to ask you, so yeah, hit me with it. <laughs> I haven't talked about the Spider-Man musical enough, so this is a bit of Spider-Man the musical trivia. I'm so and ready. This was something that I stumbled on a little bit in the past, but then as I was watching the musical and learning more about it, I learned a little bit more and more about this. But famously, the score for the musical was provided by Bono and the Edge, mm -hmm. which is why the soundtrack for the musical kind of sounds like U2 Kids Bop. Oh my god. 
And what I learned was that originally a small little indie group was approached to write some songs, not necessarily for the musical, but like as inspiration, like we got these guys to write some, some songs, take a listen to them. We want you to write your famous U2 branded versions of songs like these. But the indie band recorded their tracks and then it was decided that they were too good. <gasps> what? And instead of giving the rights to the musical to use them as inspiration, they were like, uh, let's release this on our own album. And sometime later, Imagine Dragons released the album Night Visions, which has at least one, but people with a good ear can hear a couple of other songs on that album where clearly the Spider-Man serial number has been scraped off. Um, yeah, like radioactive yeah that was definitely a song that i was listening to and i was like wow this would make a really good spider-man music video and then when i looked it up i was like maybe it's a little bit too on the nose actually (laughs) that is so incredible but the other thing i learned was that there were some other big names attached to the project in its initial stages including broadway legend alan cumming wow yeah and he was originally going to play the green goblin but when it became apparent in the early stages that this was maybe not a project you wanted to tie yourself to. He quietly and politely left the project, but later on had been quoted as being like, God, I dodged a bullet there. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, in the Spider-Man theme of dimensions, I've never been that darkest timeline person, but I do believe that out there, there is another dimension where Imagine Dragons wrote the music for Spider-Man, the musical, and Alan Cumming was attached to the project, and it was actually good, and it ran for 25 years, and I got to see it. Man. You know the feeling you get when somebody talks about how we lost the Library of Alexandria? (laughs) (laughs) That's the emotion I'm experiencing right now. We really lost a cultural icon here. Yeah. Uh, But we'll always have night visions. And a man made entirely out of mutant bees! Swarm! (laughs) Okay. (sighs) All right. Well, this has been a spiritual experience, to say the least. Kat, where where can you find us on social media? I have to take a second to compose myself. You can find us on Twitter at WasSpideyThere, or if you're old-fashioned, drop us an email at WasSpideyThere at gmail.com. You could also send us a carrier pigeon, but we live in two different places, so you'll either have to send two pigeons or one pigeon that's got a lot of stamina. That's all I got. (laughs) Uh, So my name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, Spider Pals, it's Zeke. If you enjoyed the stories we talked about today, you should go check out the issues. So here they are. They're Edge of Spider-Geddon, number four. Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, numbers one through four. Amazing Spider-Man, numbers 509 through 514. The musical, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. And our featured fic this week was Off the Record by Crooked Swing Set. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.